Hello again, this is Elizabeth. And Lee. And we are going to launch into type 5 today and move into the head triad. That's right. We made it through heart. We made it through heart. So type 5 is often called the researcher, the perceiver, the observer, and I call them the lone wolf. Just, I think that's so good. We're going <laughs> to have a campaign for that to be added. The to. lone wolf. The lone coyote. Um, So they're in the head triad with six and seven, in the withdrawing stance with fours and nines. Uh, Their sin or passion is avarice, which is another word for greed. And again, we'll unpack the word because the word is always um, kind of intense. So fives are not greedy in the sense that they are trying to get everything. It's more that they are hoarding their energy and their time. They have a deep sense of scarcity and a deep sense of that they have a certain amount of energy that they need to protect. And so the the drive of a five is to protect their energy and their perceived scarcity with managing all of that by, you know, I I like to say that they think of time as a kind of um, something they own. Like it's like a... And they're they're managing, and and I would that. say greed to the sense as far as um, physical things, only to the mm. to the degree that it gives them an existence where they don't have to rely on anyone. So right. not how we would normally see greediness as hoarding. Whatever ensures but it's what a would solitary ensure, existence. Yes, yes. Their yes. solitary existence is what they fives think will keep them going mm-hmm. and keep them keep them safe and keep them around right. and and they're trying to protect that solitary time. And that's a good time. It's a good reminder that in the head triad what's right under the surface is fear. Mm. And so avarice and hoarding or all of the things that you just said are ways that they tamp down their fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have a you have a really good quote about fives. Oh, Maybe yeah. you Where could was that? look that Let's up. Read that I really again. liked it. Head people believe in competency as a cure for instability or fear. Through mastering their environment, head people think they're able to secure their own self preservation. So competency for a five. And yeah. And safety for a six. Mm-hmm. And what would you say for a seven? Just making their own reality. I yeah. mean, in a way. Freedom. Kind freedom. Of freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, the unconscious childhood message for a five, the message they got is that it's not okay to be too comfortable in the world. And I should say now that our special guest today is my husband, Nathaniel, who's a five. Um, do you have anything you, you could elaborate on about, like, feeling it's not okay to be too comfortable in the world? Oh, gosh. I mean, I like to make jokes about Nathaniel is a, from New England. And we could say, like, New uh, England is sort of a five region, but... I'm a closet Calvinist. Yes. And, and I feel I, I like to make jokes about the Chapin family because there are a lot of fives, and there's at least three fives in that family, and they all have like these foam mattresses that they went and picked up at a factory back in 1973, and they've been sleeping on those for 50 years, and nobody has ever thought to change them because you don't need 
to be any more comfortable than that. Yeah, it's good to be uncomfortable <laughs> in the world. <laughs> but why? No, be serious. Like, why? Why do you have like pride around that? Why? Do, why do you think it's good to be uncomfortable? Um, oh gosh, I'm not sure I can fully articulate it. I just. Um, I'm going to have to think about that. There's no right answer. There's no right answer. But, I mean, I think I, I do think there is some kind of puritanical nature to it. I do think there is something Calvinist about it that, like, if you're really comfortable, it's uh, indulgent. Yeah. Like, you kinda, you're kind of you a little judgy about it, right? Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> but people who are really focused on their comfort, you think that's a little... A little um, frivolous. It feels frivolous, frivolous yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. Um, Not that I don't like comfort. Right. But, I mean, I don't know if it occurs to you, though. I mean, I think I bring comfort to your world, and you accept it, and you're like, oh, this is nice. But I don't think you would have done it otherwise. Probably not, although as one ages, comfort becomes more important, regardless of what number you are. But I think that's yeah. uh, that's a whole different thing. It is, but then, like, look at yeah. your dad, right, who who died. and uh, He was a five. And he was a five, and he was never going to be comfortable no. up until the very end. No, he was very stubborn about it. Right, yeah. very stubborn, not yeah, I've been accused of being stubborn. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, okay, so the lost childhood message for a five, or the message that they needed to get was, you have needs. And they matter, mm-hmm. which is, you know, different from a nine's childhood message is that your presence matters. So right. a nine is kind of looking for that they're actually being there in the room, that that matters and that makes a difference in the world. And a five, they want to to know that it's OK to need something from you and to, to kind of get out of that feeling. So that meanwhile, while they're creating this solitary existence and hoarding all the things that get to keep them by themselves and on their own mm-hmm. simultaneously what they really desire is to be able to actually need something to be in re- and that be okay that and someone respond to that you know yeah. well i think just what i just heard you guys your conversation just now was that that uh-huh. you brought that and kind of help Nathaniel develop that. Right. And I would say one of the hardest things for me as a five, and I'm assuming for other fives, but is asking for help and articulating my needs. Because I truly Mm -hmm. believe in my core and will always believe that my needs don't really matter and are, you know, on the hierarchy of things that are important in the world are very, very low. Um, (laughs) And and nobody can convince me otherwise. It's sort of just who I am, right? Um, So it's very hard to ask for help or ask, you know, I have this need, will you Will you help me with it? Right. Um, and that's sort of a, a conscious exercise. I'm not even sure I've ever heard that come out of your mouth in earnestness to me. <laughs> well, we don't have to get into that. But. Well, we might. We could. No, we won't. But um, no, but I'm just saying, I don't, I don't, not only does it not occur to you, like it, it just, I mean, I'm just saying it doesn't, it really doesn't occur to you. Anyway, I think when you're, when in relationship with a five, you almost have to be, a little bit able to read between the lines of of a five not asking you for help and not asking you for anything you have to like find other clues Mm -hmm. about what they need because they're not gonna verbally tell you well we i think we've i've slept since we've done the other ones but we've talked about how how we set up our lives keeps us from getting what we yeah the message that basically our lost childhood message Mm -hmm. so the avarice, the way a five sets up their um, world, 
to hoard or to get what they need just to have this solitary existence keeps them from being able to be in relationship where they can start to learn to say what they need and hear that they that matters. Right. And so it's this kind of vicious circle of setting up your world in a way that reinforces the idea that you don't have needs. So I'm going to comment on the thing about <laughs> wanting to be solitary. I mean, I think there's right. some truth to that, but I think more than that, it's maybe not wanting to have to be dependent on anybody. Yes. Um, because I'm fairly social. I enjoy yeah. the company of people, and there are times when I want to be alone, and I make sure that that happens. You're a very but social five. You are a social def- five. You're but, a unicorn. But I think more than, more than solitude is not having to be dependent on people because that's a loss of control, you know, then your own competence becomes less important and all those things, right? So 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 well put. Yeah. So are you yeah. are you saying that by not relying on other people it makes you feel more competent? More in control and control. not relying on the competence or incompetence of other people. Mm. Okay. That's so good. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, so thinking dominant. Um, fives are walking through the world thinking first and then having feelings about their thoughts, which I think I got this from Suzanne. Um, she describes it as being enamored with your thoughts or being emotionally attached to one's ideas. Um, and the emotional attachment that a five has to their ideas is not, even though it is an emotional attachment, it's not a personal feeling. It has nothing to do with personal feelings. It's just an emotional attachment to your ideas. Does that make sense? So there's still kind of this detachment in there in that you haven't put any kind of vulnerability on the line in order to be attached to your ideas. You're attached to them. You're having feelings about them. If someone comes along and says, I don't like your idea, it hurts your feelings. But there's also, it's not, you haven't really, it's not an internalized thing. Like it's not necessarily connected to your heart space in a way. Exactly. Exactly. That a four would be connected. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In fact, it's almost opposite. Four or five, the way we're dealing with our feelings and thoughts Mm -hmm. feels like really an opposite pole there. So a five's challenge is to kind of apply their knowledge through their heart space. And there has to be a lot of intentionality there. And I think that even if you if you tell a five to process their thought, thoughts through their heart, heart space, like to actually put some vulnerability on that, to actually see how your ideas through relationship can have a deeper context – it's, um, I think it's hard for a five to actually embody that and to really know what that means even. I think uh, the way I try to like motivate um, fives to do it is that by not using your heart space to interpret facts, you kind of um, are often misinterpreting facts or uh, not reading social cues and how you impart your facts and so they often are not very um, – people cannot um, receive them or, uh, or have – see validity around them or experience them in a way that is helpful to that person. So by not using your heart space to um, interpret facts, you're kind of limiting what all the knowledge you're gathering can, can do. You're limiting the power of your own – factual knowledge and how that 
can be used in the world. Yeah. So, so along those lines, I mean, one thing I used, I probably still do, but I used to do a lot, a lot more is sort of feel like any time I was trying to make a case for something or defend a particular position, I had to gather all the facts and marshal all the facts. And, Mm -hmm. and I've had to learn to trust my intuition more and my feelings more. And it's okay to say, look, I don't know all the facts, but this feels wrong or this feels right. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And I don't have to marshal all the facts to support my position. Hmm. Um, and that's interesting. And my guess and that's is, been really helpful for me to get to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my guess is when you say that feels right, that really what you're saying is I think I think it's right. Uh, I don't have all the facts, but I think it's and right. I'm trusting my intuition, yeah. which is feeling based. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wonder if it really Maybe. is. Also, I think probably as you, which this we would could get into <laughs> in a deeper level. Um, on number night plug for number nights but when you just said I trust my gut I think when you bring up doing that you that probably helps so as as a withdrawer that you are just moving ahead regardless of having all the facts so when I heard heard I trust my gut my guess is as you've as you've done the work which you do the work that, I try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know that you are you're just moving ahead and there's something kind of that feels gut gut-ish yeah. about just doing it. Just yep. doing it. Yep. And mm-hmm. not not getting caught up in in having to do all the research and being right. paralyzed by that. Mm-hmm. Which right. is your life's work. Right. Right, right. To just yeah. do it. Making endless lists. That's my <laughs> that's <laughs> Duplicate lists, overlapping lists, yes. lists in different parts of the house. Mm. <laughs> uh, what is it? What do you call it when grocery stores have um, like cheese in the cheese section and they have cheese next to the tomatoes and then they have cheese somewhere else to make you want to make that pasta? Is yeah. it like cross marketing? Is that what you call Something like that. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I think fives are cross marketers as far as <laughs> to do list. Well, they, they want to make sure they have a list in their office and then they have a list in the kitchen and then they have safety pins in the kitchen and in their closet and they have clips in their kitchen and their <laughs> office and because you know if you just had one jar of uh, paper clips and right. it was in your office right. that that's just not going to cut it you are the one who put the list up the other night at the, at the christmas party i did well taped I find, it, you know, when taped it right when you're there. cooking and like you're, you know people are socializing with you and distracting you it's really good to have the list of items that you need to do to get them feel food on the table and also if gabrielle uh, hamilton does that then she does then that, and, I'm and a great she's so admirer. competent then you know maybe it makes you look competent too well it's not, no, that, <laughs> no i'm just being funny, I'm just being funny. <laughs> it's purely practical yeah no it's good yeah. it's good okay so uh a lot of times what fives do is because they're gathering all their their facts and plans to to do something they do it for so long that by the time they get around to feeling like they're going to do it it's uh, kind of not applicable anymore or the the time in which to do that project has expired or years have gone by and you know it just it doesn't matter anymore so a lot of the plans that fives have just kind of remain plans and remain lists or remain in their head and so, um, you know, I just call it like project expiration of the five. They just, a lot of their projects expire before mm-hmm. they get around to them. I read somewhere recently about, 
you don't find water by digging lots of wells. You dig one deep well, and that's where you find the water. And I think that um, I like that as an image for fives because I think fives like to dig lots of little wells of knowledge. So they know a lot of things about lots of things, and, and that's their kind of chase for competency. They're like seeking that competency, and they do it by kind of being um, kind of a uh, – a master of none, I guess, but just like a, a digging lots of wells and knowing a little bit of information about lots of things. And instead of just having the confidence, I think, to just to to choose a well of truth and just dig deeply into that well and maybe not spend the time learning about some other piece of information and just being confident to just dig the one well, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, neutrality or detachment is a five superpower and perhaps uh, fives more than any other number have the capacity to be truly neutral sometimes people think nines are neutral but nines are not really neutral nines are they know what they want they just tend to think that it doesn't matter that much would you say I would say not always that we just don't bother to know but then if we know what we want we just have to decide if we're willing to be conflictual about it. Like mm-hmm. if we're willing to put that out there. Uh-huh. But usually we have an opinion. We, we see both sides of the, of the coin, but we, but you have an we, opinion. we do prefer a side of the coin. And I, I think fives have, I mean, I, I think they have opinions. I think, I mean, you have a lot of opinions, Nathaniel. But I think because uh, you are in your head and you're not... Um, mired down by feelings and you're not even um, moving or you know you're not applying it through action necessarily so because you're so kind of lost in your head it allows you to have this neutrality there's not an attachment to it it's kind of impersonalized yeah i think that's part of it and i think also there's an aspect of it where because we're information gatherers we want to understand and so we're driven to understand both sides, um, you know, and so that's a plus in that we can be good mediators and, and kind of have empathy for, for different sides of an issue, but also I know it can be very frustrating to those close to us because we don't jump in necessarily, um, you know, and, ta- and take a side when it maybe it's appropriate to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, sometimes you can, if you're in a relationship with a five, you can kind of be looking for them to have your back. And it doesn't necessarily seem like they have your back. And I think some of that's just withdrawing stance stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I think you probably could say that about fives and nines, is that being in the withdrawing stance and it not occurring to uh, fives and nines in particular, I'm going to say more than fours, that they can... I mean, I think four, fives, and nines all feel that they're not going to have an effect on the world. Mm-hmm. But I think relationally, fives and nines really, really strongly don't think they can affect it. And so when you're in relationship with a five and a nine, I think fives and nines often miss the cue that, you know, if I, I this is where I jump in. This is where I jump in, and this is where I yeah. tell the person what I think about them or how I feel about them or I advocate for this person or I advocate for our closeness here, our intimacy here. I think there are two things that conspire to create that in a five. One is sort of this natural neutrality or ability Mm -hmm. to see both sides and 
Um, the other one is, uh, well, we're withdrawing, but also we don't know our feelings right away, right? We have to think about them, mm-hmm. um, and that can take time, whereas a four immediately knows um, <laughs> and knows with certainty and can re- respond emotionally immediately, whereas a five, I'm, I'm, I need to go process it for a while mm-hmm. before I know where I stand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that can come across as a little bit... Um, Detached or sociopathic at times, but uh. <laughs> and so I'll just go ahead and say yeah. now that like one of the things I wanted to talk about was like something I've learned with Nathaniel as a four being married to a five is that we'll be in a situation where I very very um, elaborately tell him how I feel about him or how much I love him and why and I get into all the textures of that and I feel like a poet you know like I'm so pleased with myself that I can be so intimate and then I can verbalize so accurately how I feel about you that it doesn't hurt me to be vulnerable in that way you know and then like I will look at you and it's just like you're like doing your crossword puzzle you know and um I've learned to just be like oh and now is the time when you could say oh elizabeth <laughs> i i feel the same way about you and you know and then you'll just laugh and look up and say something to that effect you know <laughs> usually you won't elaborate any more than that but it's allowed me to like just kind of make fun of the dynamic instead of like being hurt by it mm-hmm. yeah um and it and it's uh so good it's such a gift yeah it's a gift i mean because it's not like it's not like you don't feel the same way about me it's just that you're not wired in a way that is going to share with me in that way or you know it's just not it's it would be asking something of you that's not possible so that would be a be like beating your head against a wall right um so um, a five has a deep need to perceive, to be rational, and to be analytical. And I think analysis is something that fives are really good at, analysis of the facts. And that neutrality piece helps with that, too, because you can really see all the things around any given situation. Fives are always thinking things through but not talking them through. So... While I'm verbally processing and all the dependent stances verbally processing, one, twos, and sixes, Mm -hmm. um, fives are never, never verbally processing. And that's why kind of sometimes a caricature when fives are introduced through Enneagram Mm -hmm. work is that, you know, they spent so much time in their heads and then they come out and start kind of sharing all the stuff they've been thinking about and they think in some ways that you've been there with them. And I think nines do that too. Like we'll just start, but fives, I think sometimes don't read the social cues. So a five who hasn't done any work will just download their encyclopedia of thoughts that they've had on a particular subject and the whole room has glazed over because it, yeah, it can that feel can abrupt. happen. Uh-huh. Uh, it can, and yes, it can feel abrupt. And if we don't take the effort and kind of consciously go and, Fill in the narrative, yeah. Um, rather than just downloading the facts yeah. or or mm-hmm. the end results, it can come across as really disconnected or abrupt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think someone said some uh, like facts without emotion or just a report, something like that. I don't think I'm getting it totally right, but again, it's just that way of like 
if if you want to download everything that's in your head and you actually stop to like go through the heart center to do it mm-hmm. then automatically your report becomes becomes something more than a report it, it becomes <laughs> like it's responding to what's available in the room and the social energy in the room and what's necessary in the room and the you know, timing and all it of those a conversation. Things. Yeah, it's a conversation. There's mutuality and, and in it. I mean, I would say also, I mean, part of that, part of tying it to the heart is putting it in the context of a story because people yeah. respond to stories. That's mm-hmm. how we perceive life. That's how mm-hmm. we, you know, that's how we make sense of, of facts. And mm-hmm. so fives sometimes don't put things in the context of story. Even sometimes you think you do. Like and We think we do, I have not, an example you know, of like one time we're in the kitchen and we were talking about fasting or cleanses or something which triggers you you don't like to talk about things like that and so one of my friends well, was there's no scientific basis <laughs> right, right there's no scientific basis so one of my friends was talking about it and you kind of wrote her off as usual when she brings it up i made fun of her you made fun of her she did not like and you talked about why you you know whatever you thought was yeah. not factually correct about it or scientifically correct and she got her feelings hurt and i said something like i started talking about growing up and not even knowing what an eating disorder was and then going to college and having all these roommates with eating disorders and how it freaked me out and then anytime somebody comes along now and talks about fast or cleanses I get kind of triggered of when I was back in college with all these uh, living with all these women who didn't eat and were throwing up and all this stuff and and then my friend was like oh okay well I understand now why you you would feel triggered by that topic and and you you looked at her and you said, "Well, I just I basically said the same thing to you." <laughs> you I think you really thought you had given her um, something in the context of like a personal story, but you hadn't. You had just said some facts, and it felt um, judgy to her. But once it becomes a personal story, then you know it has more. Right. Um, it actually, it's like it ha- it can land. Once, right. once it has an emotional right. base, and that's the work of one of the work of fives is to bridge that detachment. Yes, and tie in the personal story to this thing we are trying to communicate. Yeah, right, right. You, um, you have to attach to detach. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I like that. They are in the withdrawing stance, like we've said, and they fives can, even though they don't aren't very controlling because they're withdrawing and because they are kind of neutral. They, the way they do control is um, they try to manage situations by ceasing to react to it. And some of that is, part. I think, being in the fear triad and wanting to seem competent. And I think they can kind of sense when they're in a situation where they might not come across as competent in the moment. And so they just remove them, like... They meant like mentally remove themselves. They cease to respond to it. They cease to react to it, or it almost feels like they put a shield um, down, and you. It's almost like they're not even there anymore, right. and right. so that can feel very controlling when you're on the receiving end of it. It can feel. I mean, for me, it can feel scary because I'm a four, right? But I think it can feel. Um, it can elicit fear in other people, actually. Yeah, and, and our, our son is, uh, we think he's a four. He thinks he's a four. I mean, only you know, you can know what your own number is. But um, and when he was little, he used to have these kind of mercurial emotional responses to things, sort of explosive and not always easy 
to um, respond to as a parent or know how to respond to it. And especially as a five parent. Yeah. And so there was a period where I just decided, you know, I mean, I, I didn't want to have conflict with him and I didn't want it to go in that direction because that never ended up anywhere good. So I would withdraw and, and that would terrify him. Hmm. He didn't want me to go away, you know. So that that was he that, wanted to behave the way he was behaving, but he wanted you to stick around for it. Right, exactly. <laughs> ding, uh, ding ding ding! Yeah. <laughs> My life's work. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So um, you know that took a while to navigate. Um, so so this um, and so gathering information feels like emotional safety to a five, um, even though fives are not really thinking in emotional terms. I think facts kind of it feels it's comforting, right? Mm-hmm. To gather facts, it, yeah. it it it's solace providing, right? When I've heard fives talk about how competency and facts feel safe, and emotions or feelings, they're hard to be competent in. Like they right. feel yeah. they feel yeah, yeah. scary because you're not really sure how to read them or how to communicate them or how, you know, fill in the blank. And so they feel, they can feel dark or scary or. Yeah. I mean, emotional vulnerability is tough for a five because we feel really incompetent when we get into those waters. Whereas four, it's like, that's just the language they talk. Right. Right. I mean, that's um, for a five. It's very, it's, it feels like very unsteady ground. And it probably will always feel that it way. It will always, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. to be uh, able to to do the work to kind of step into that yeah. and find your way, because you're not going to figure out how you feel ahead of time. Yeah. You have and, to be and in the And it's not the fives don't feel the emotional vulnerability. Right. It's expressing it, is, is uh, because how do you express that in a way that's competent, right? Which right. is sort of a, I don't know that there no, is such a thing. I don't think there is. I mean, I think when it comes to emotions, competency yeah, just, is maybe not even... <laughs> A word that comes to mind no. for me. Uh, so fives withdraw in their head for safety, They and they also can physically withdraw for safety. I think that you're a very social five, so I think that a lot of times you don't necessarily physically withdraw for safety, but... Um, there are but fives small- have a magic trick they can do. They can when when they feel like they don't have the energy when they're in a group situation, they they can disappear um, even though they're physically present. Yeah, um, where people don't even know they're there. It's a well, even to just like a very small degree. You were here with us when we came up to your layered up here, and uh, but you were doing a crossword puzzle. <laughs> like you picked right, up the crossword right. puzzle as we were sitting up and talking. You'd look up and smile every now and then. And- and, and we and I decided to come up to the third floor of the turret for, to do the five podcast because Nathaniel's office is up here. Mm-hmm. And the only way to get up here is through a ladder. <laughs> and so, you know, most people don't even come up here. So he's like, he has the perfect it's so five. Good. And there's a secret password, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, slowness is a way that fives control things and, and manage time. And energy. And energy. And I think uh, time feels like a personal possession. And so they, if they can kind of slow it down, it's their way of managing things. And um, so, you know, in our family, Nathaniel's always kind of the last one in the van. And everybody's wondering where he is. Or 
we're making a salad and he's like, oh, I'll go pick the salad. And he goes out to the garden and then he never comes back. And you look out the window and he's weeding, weeding. And his his weeding the garden is his way of of controlling and managing his energy. It's mm-hmm. like he gets to be alone and he gets to be involved in activity that is beyond reproach. It's because the weeds need pulling. <laughs> I mean, somebody's got to pull the damn No, I, I don't know if I've ever told you this. So there's... Um, uh, I'm sure you haven't. I've always had... I've, since I was little, I've had this an- fantasy of a time bank. And I don't know if anybody else does this, but it's like when you have downtime... It's like if you could just take that time and bank it and use it later when you need it. Oh my God! Uh, does anybody else ever imagine no, that? No, <laughs> I don't. I I have a similar Probably feeling about time because, yeah. but I did not. I've never yeah. thought of an actual bank. Just think of all the time God, you could bank over a so lifetime good. that you could use sometime. And then you right. could just and yeah. actually, I mean, I think that a bank is a good metaphor for fives because I think that's when we talk about avarice and greed and how they're hoarding I think that's what they're they're thinking of their life as this big savings bank right and all the the energy goes into the savings bank and anything they might need for comfort is going into the savings bank and any kind of like frivolity or playfulness that's not necessary for their existence goes into the savings bank and then I think what happens is you turn around and you're kind of your life is coming to an end. And you've been so carefully hoarding all of that stuff um, for what, you know, mm-hmm. for what? Yeah. If I, I mean, so to start on a project that, you know, is going to require a lot of effort and energy is hard for a five if you can't see the end point and can't see the value of it. Right. Um, and you feel like it's just going to be a waste. And so you don't want to get. You don't want to uh, commit to it unless um, unless you're confident that it's going to be successful. Mm-hmm. So that's something that just that a good work for five is just throw yourself into stuff without knowing what the end point's going to be, without necessarily having all the information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think fives, when it comes to books and movies and um, any kind of information they're taking in. It's always taken in a depersonalized way. So if I go to a movie with Nathaniel or if I go to book club with Nathaniel, the how he talks about that book and book club is completely not through a personal lens in any way, shape, or form. How he experiences the movie is a completely depersonalized lens. And then me as a four, like I'm experiencing it very personally um and so he thinks that she talks to the screen oh the whole time it's so fantastic (laughs) yes i talk to the screen but also like i'm applying it to very like a very real you know i'm applying it to my own life and so i think for a five the rest of us join you huh and the rest of us join you sometimes you do but i think for a five he thinks (laughs) that it's better to approach books and movies in a depersonalized way because he's not he's not involving himself like that might be kind of narcissistic or it might be it might be it's just kind of um less it's not you know it's not scholarly or it's not correct you know i think there's something like facts are better than emotions right facts are more they're in the hierarchy they are above it you know and so for a long time i felt kind of judged by that and I so I kind of thought oh the way I'm 
um, responding to books and book club or movies is Isn't not intellectual correct. enough. It's not intellectual enough. And so I need to like back off that. And it took me a long time to realize that my personal way of, of appreciating the book and movie and his impersonal way of, of, of experiencing the book or movie were complementary to each other. And they each had a real offering, you know, validity and validity and both were good and, and both should be balanced by the other. So we make a good team. Mm-hmm. We make a good team if we can validate each other. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you already talked about the magic shield that fives have. And, um, my friend Kim says you train people how to love you. And so I feel like, um, I always kind of throw this at Nathaniel cause I think he's going to respond to it because he, you know, his, his comfort doesn't matter. Right. And his needs don't matter. So his uh, birthday doesn't matter. And what he wants for Christmas doesn't matter. And, you know, all the things that other people might like make sure everybody knows their birthday's coming up or they may throw themselves a party and make sure their spouse throws them a party or they tell everybody, they give everybody a Christmas list or whatever. A five is never going to do that. And I always think I can sort of shame him into like, you know, you train people how to love you and you're not training any of us. So nobody's going to know it's your birthday or nobody's going to give you a Christmas present. And mm-hmm. um, I always think that's going to work and it just doesn't work because he just literally doesn't care. Do you? Because your needs don't matter. So right. you don't care. Right. My needs don't matter. I enjoy a present. You enjoy a present, but like if yeah. your birthday came and went and nobody noticed, I really don't think you'd care that much. Well, I'd have my feelings a little bit hurt. Would you? But, well, I mean, if my own family didn't <laughs> recognize that. But no, if I mean, it's not a big deal. It's not a big I'm not going to mope about it. It's not a big thing. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're rarely going to see the emotions of a five. Um, when you do see the emotions of a five, they can be kind of awkward and stiff um and so i think it's uh i think when you're in relationship with a five again i I was saying earlier you have to kind of read between the lines to see where their needs are and also with it when it comes to feelings i think it comes out as looking a little bit like fear Uh sometimes and or a little stiff and awkward Uh and it's easy to kind of dismiss it or just move past it and not really but I think you have to really kind of slow down and honor it Um, or you're not going to be encouraging them in that direction and they'll just keep I've also noticed and I don't know if Nathaniel if you're like this we've joked about it in the kitchen downstairs a couple times but my five friends when they bring their feelings or when they've gone away and they're going to come back and offer you feelings I, you cannot interrupt them. Yeah, if I, yeah, no, that, I think I think that the, you uh, can't necessarily dialogue with them about their feelings. They're, it's almost like the, not the, until a downlog. Yeah, not until they've gotten it out. Yeah, right? and because I don't even think it's it just through. feelings. I think it's just if you're somewhere and you want to tell us your point of right. view about something, and it might have nothing to do with feelings. Right. It, you you say a lot. Let, well, let me finish. Let me let yeah. me finish. Yeah. And um, sometimes I'm like, oh, that feels kind of you know it aggressive, feels- <laughs> or it scares me a little bit. <laughs> um, it's interesting, but it's uh, yeah. I think it's probably wrapped up around competency, right? Mm-hmm. And like you're going to get your th- you need to get your whole thought out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I notice I've no- it's a particularly I'm going to use the word aggressive around if a five is going to talk about their feelings 
But I think there is something, too, like if you start kind of dialoguing about something, the facts might get out of place or the order of the story, because I've noticed the same thing well, as we, well. We might respond to them and they and it goes down where they haven't trajectory like or, fully baked the whole thought out. And so it might not be yeah. competent enough yeah. for us to respond to. Like, don't respond to yeah. me yet because i got to get all the stuff out there before. You or or if me. you ask like, a question like. My friend says, well, I'm going to get there. I'm getting there. Just hold on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hold on. I'm going to get there. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you see anger in a five, which I have to say, I don't see anger very often, Mm-mm. but it's usually um, anxiety over either increased emotionality that they can't control or increased um, uh, sense of incompetence that they've been unable to control. And they, it can make them angry. And... Uh, but again, that's that fear triad piece, which I think when we think of fives, fear can seem a little strange, right? Mm-hmm. But it's it's under the surface there around competency. And of course, fives hate hearing that they're in the fear triad, right? Because that just so that seems so illogical, illogical. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but. Not rational, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, Foster distance from their needs because they're distance they're distance from our needs because they are distanced from their own needs. Yeah. So, if you're in relationship with a five, you've got to be really explicit about what your needs are. Yeah. Um, they're not going to be explicit about what their needs are, but you you have to be very explicit about your own. Um, and I think that can that can be kind of a trap when you're in relationship with fives is because they're not being explicit about yours about their own so you just kind of stop being explicit about yours and um it, as a game or just because you're giving up or just because of like reciprocity you know mm-hmm. and that doesn't work right. you know you can't do that if you're in a relationship with a five you have to keep being explicit um about what you need from them yeah. so uh for uh, a five to show up in a relationship is the bravest thing in the world um and the first time suzanne ever said that i i it really hit home for me because i think uh, it's easy when you're in a relationship with a five to think of all the ways in which they're not being emotional verbally they're not maybe being as affectionate um, they're not as in their body because they're lost in their head mm-hmm. and so there's all these ways in which you can think about fives as not being there for you right and you can get lost in that and that's um but the reality is is all the things that a five is afraid of or all the things that involve relationship right it's about intimacy feelings uh, relying on someone else. So all those things make it really hard for a five to decide they're going to be in relationship. And once a five decides they're going to be in re- relationship, they're all there. And the way they show that is by just being showing up physically there. Um, um, my friend Elizabeth Pecor always says that it m- moved her so much that when I taught Sunday school for seven years in a row, my New England completely non-churched uh five (laughs) husband went to sunday school with me every sunday for seven years and it's probably not at all because you wanted to because i'm sure you wanted to read the new york times but you went and that was your way of showing me you loved me Mm -hmm. and um it's incredible it's incredible so i think there is a way when you're in relationship with a five to like be aware of this and steward it Mm -hmm. and just realize how they're physically present for you, mm-hmm. even though they may not be, you know, verbally present or 
um, affectionately present. They are pr- they are physically present to you and the things you're interested in, and that's how they love you. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's true. I mean, a five as I mean, speaking for myself, I'm not going to show up unless I'm committed. And so, mm-hmm. if I'm there, I'm you're there. I'm there. I'm all in, and yeah. you know. You kind of think that speaks for itself. Yeah. And like, I might not articulate verbally the emotions that lead me to be there because I just assume the fact that I'm there says it all, right? Yeah. The the action speaks for itself. So I need to be better about articulating (laughs) why. But but that's just something, if you're in a relationship with a five, it's important to know that if they're there, that's, you know, that's, that's everything. Mm -hmm. And so um, fives, I think, feel like they can... And observe the relationships they're in and that that's enough, which is kind of another way of saying what you just said. And so I think the work for a five is to to realize how they can be more involved and mm-hmm. rather rather than just observing the relationship. That's and such a the sentence. Observe a, the relationship is yeah, fantastic. It, yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that really feels like being in a relationship to mm-hmm, a five, right? Mm-hmm, is they're observing mm-hmm. it and there they are mm-hmm. in the room. <laughs> and that's enough, right? Right, right. Um, And my favorite quote on this is, I was in the car one day, and Nathaniel and I were talking, and he said to me, I feel affectionate towards you in my head. And he, uh, that seemed very, like a normal thing for him to say. She's never going to let mind. me forget that And one. I'm never going to let you forget it, nor will anyone else, by the way. Yeah. Because, I mean, you can't. You can't make that up. You, you can't make it up, and you can't feel affectionate in your head just like you can't go snow skiing in your head i mean it's just as crazy to say like i feel like snow skiing in my head i feel affectionate towards you in my head yeah but that that's a way of you observing relationship right without being involved Mm -hmm. but i think for you it feels involved it feels very involved yeah right yeah yeah so our uh, Lee and I, we were uh, apprentices with a guy named David, who's a five, and he described himself as a lollipop. Mm-hmm. Um, that so his, good. The, his whole body was the stick, and everything was up top in his head, and he was not bringing down anything into his heart, and he was not bringing anything into action. It was mm-hmm. he was just lost in his head. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things he talked about is that the more he realized that he could bring his thoughts and his ideas down into his heart or to put them into action without just gathering more facts but doing more with them, there was more room in his head for actually... He, it's like he had more capacity to um, have actually have more knowledge on board and to have more impact in the world because he was... Uh, so involved in bringing things out of his head and and putting it in the world or putting it in his heart that it it made him actually more competent. Right, which is, that's the magic. You know, something that just occurred to me, it's like, you know what's great for fives are bitmojis. Because it's like this quick, automatic way of putting a little bit of emotion out there that somebody's already kind of de- designed and packaged for you. And it's like, oh. I, safe. Yeah. Safe well, emotion. It's safe. And it's like, it's a shortcut. Um, yeah. And, and uh, so anyway, it just occurred to me that Bitmojis are like a, a, a blessing for fives. A blessing for fives. <laughs> yes. Yes. But, but definitely, <laughs> definitely not, not, um. 
for that for the four over here in the corner not not enough <laughs> well i'm just i'm like that i get i well, get you know, that, it, why yeah. that's fine you know how in I, social media some people are right. so good at like articulating at a really fine level of detail this, this these subtle feelings and putting it out there for public consumption you're like wow man that that person can really uh, yeah talk. i mean and, and that's not an easy thing to do for public consumption so yeah the emojis are awesome Um, We already talked about the illusion that ideas are more important than feelings. We have described your older brother, Timothy. Do you think he'll care if we talk about him? He might. He might care? He might. Mm -hmm. Well, one one description, one time you said he's intellectually loyal. And I think, like, he's the first child and he's a five. And so the idea of loyalty is very important to him. But again, it's like the way you said, I feel affectionate towards you in my head. He feels kind of loyal to the family in his head. Mm -hmm. And so um, even though there's a deep, deep sense of loyalty and duty there for him, it doesn't necessarily get, it's not incarnate, right? It doesn't get enacted necessarily. And so um, I just, I kind of just like that as a concept that you can be intellectually loyal, intellectually affectionate. Yeah. intellectually intimate right yeah it's there's no action there there's no it's not out in the world it's just in the head so and then you said earlier that you don't feel in real time and so one of the things that nathaniel and i do to deal with this is i give him like a, a timeline i give him a um, deadline i say mm-hmm. you know we're either we're having a little argument or even i do like i was saying earlier i just have this output of feeling and emotion for him that I want him to get back to me on or I want him to have a response to some fight we're having or whatever I give him say 12 hours or I give him two days or I give him whatever we come up with and then I hold his feet to the fire on that I give him some time but also hold his feet to the fire and that's like a good combo for a five yeah, and it usually works. Yeah, no, I mean, we don't have to employ it very often, but when we do, I feel like it helps a lot. Yeah, and and also as, as a five, I think it's important to remember because sometimes you feel paralyzed when when you have powerful emotions coming at you, and like you just you haven't processed them, so you don't know how to respond. It's important and be able to say, you know, okay, wait a second, I just give me a little time here. I hear you. I understand you're upset or you, whatever emotion you're feeling. Um, just give me a little time. Let me process it. I'm going to get back to you. So it's not that I don't. It's not that I'm right. not having a reaction or don't care about what you're saying. It's just I need a little time to work through it. I don't know if we want to put this in here or not, but I was just sitting here thinking, like I'm. I date a lot of fives, and I think initially when you when you meet that person because they are fact gatherers, it can feel like intimacy because they're gathering facts about you. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and even someone who does the Enneagram, that feels so good. And I think, gosh, this person is so interested in me. And then you realize a few dates in, like, I don't know, crap about them. And so you try to kind of start then doing the the back and forth piece. And it's, it's an interesting to kind of hang in there or be in there because the relationship is kind of set up in this way where you think there is this kind of emotional intimacy happening initially that's really about fact gathering probably mm, and really interest it's i don't i don't know anyways i just was thinking about that listening which i, uh. I mean it reminds me too of like sevens and eights i think mm-hmm. you can feel intimacy from seven and eights really early on yeah and it's more about passion mm-hmm. um 
and not it's not really about feelings no um, yeah. So th- these are just like the ways in which we can confuse each other. We it is confusing. Um, so you cannot pull a five into your emotional context. And as a four, I'm saying that because I think as a four, I think I can pull everyone into my emotional context. And as we were saying earlier, I personalize everything. And so I'm always trying to grab you and get you to do it. And I, I mean, I did it last week to one of my best friends. And then I was so mad at myself. But, you know, fives are not going to get pulled into your emotional context. And if you try to force them to, they will get mm-hmm. really, really stubborn. And so, again, that's why that like giving a deadline works, because you can say, I need you to kind of respond to this emotionally, but I'm going to give you some time to do it. Yeah, I can't force you into it. That's never going to work. One really important thing about fives is their energy meter, which we we haven't brought up yet. But every five kind of has an energy meter. And I think your bank description is really good. Mm -hmm. Um, Suzanne describes it as a a meter that you wake up every single morning. You have the same amount of energy every day and you spend your day trying to manage that amount of energy and make sure you have enough to get through the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's never more or less. It's just kind of this perceived amount of energy that you're managing throughout the day. And I do think it's, um, you know, like so many things, it's just a delusion. It's a story you're telling yourself that you have this amount of energy. Yeah, no, it's good for fives to remind themselves um, that the world is abundant. Yes. Um, and that, you know, love is unlimited and energy is unlimited and um, it's okay to throw yourself into a project or relationship when you don't know what the outcome's going to be. Yeah. Yes. Um, That's such so. a good word. I was also, you know, how often so much of a five is built on logic and then we have statements like, I'm going to slow time down or I'm going to bank time or, you know, it's an interesting circle, like, that's completely illogical around. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of work out there in the world right now about scarcity and abundance. Mm. And so we hear that and we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think for fives, abundance and, and scarcity work is super, Especially super, now. super important. And I think that fives are like they're going around thinking that putting their energy out there is very depleting and that they're going to lose themselves when they do that. And the reality is, is the more a five gives themselves away, the more they have of themselves to give well, away. Yeah, no, like I'll, ever I'll say on that. The, the more abundant I'm feeling and the more, I mean, the more joyful it is. The mm-hmm. more generous I am, the more joyful I feel. So, so it's, a, it's a, actually a positive reinforcement loop. Yeah, uh, and that's the doing piece. That's which we the can... doing piece. And mm-hmm. if you go in the other direction and withdraw, it's a negative reinforcement loop. Right. So you can go deeper and deeper into your hole or go uh, out. Preserving of... your energy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or bring um, up doing and, so and like be just, abundant. Just just pushing yourself to, you know, throw yourself into things, um, mm-hmm. it, it, it results in, I mean, it's good stuff. Yeah. 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 I think like playfulness and carefreeness around um, – how you approach things is really helpful. And and I think the reality is, is every time you share, you kind of multiply what you have. And so um, I think that's a beautiful thing. Part of, part of that energy meter, meter thing or that perceived feeling that you have a certain amount of energy every day is that you're kind of, you're holding back and holding in all the time. And I think, you know, nines, I think I want to say this because I think they get so, they're so similar in a lot of ways. But nines are 
double boundaried in that they are keeping out anything that might cause conflict and they're keeping in anything that might cause conflict, right? And so all of that energy that a nine is spending is around conflict. Double boundaried. Double boundaried around conflict. I think that a five similarly similarly has these this double boundariness, um, but it has nothing to do with keeping the peace or uh, keeping the harmony in the world. It's all about being competent and having enough energy for yourself and having enough. Yeah, I mean, conflict can feel very draining to a five, um, but it's not going to stop you. No. You're avoiding conflict not for the reasons that a nine is. You're avoiding conflict because you don't want to put the energy into it. Right. And you're man- we're both kind of managing energy yeah. or very boundary, but, but for different reasons. But I think fives go to eight in security, right? Mm-hmm. So when we mm-hmm. do um, take on a conflict, we can move into that kind of eight energy, which, mm-hmm. uh, which actually is kind of fun. <laughs> what you were just saying while ago, I realized I just was thinking I read this poem this morning by David White um, about kind of bringing up doing and being abundant and it's loaves and fishes. Uh, this is not an age of information. This is not an age of information. Forget the news and the radio and the blurred screen. This is a time of loaves and fishes. People are hungry. And one good word is bread for a thousand. You know, just that whole idea mm. of being, Yay, things just White. multiply, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, I just, yeah. that's such a, we can gather all the stuff we need, but unless we put it out there, it doesn't multiply. Yeah. I just, I loved. Right. You all just did a David White poem without knowing it. I love that. I love yeah. that. I love that you brought David White into it. So I think, I think that fives kind of have this illusion that they are choosing from all the things that come to them in the world. And the reality, because of this boundariedness around their competency, there's a lot of things that are just not available to them. Mm-hmm. And so the more you can put your boundaries down... Um, the more comes to you, the more choices you have in the world, and the more robust you feel. And I think robust is a good word, too. Um, we're talking about abundance. And I think yeah. when, you, when a five lives into abundance, they have a robustness um, that feels really energizing, actually. And, when, and the opposite is true, too. When they're really boundary, they feel, I think, maybe more than mm-hmm. any of the numbers, a, a real opposite of robustness so it's good it's good work to just live into generosity and abundance i wonder i'm just thinking about can you tell us just a little bit nathaniel about why you like the enneagram or how it's been helpful um yeah i think it's fascinating stuff um it's been helpful to me well obviously in kind of figuring out my own behaviors Mm -hmm. and maybe self-limiting behaviors and consciously trying to recognize those when they're happening and consciously go in the other direction and also it's been fantastic for us in our relationship both Mm -hmm. with each other and with our kids and kind of you know um working through conflict and being more compassionate to each other and and our friends as well i mean so I, i think you know when i see a certain behavior that maybe 10 or 15 years ago would have been really irritating to me and i would have been very judgmental about that Maybe now I'm better equipped, although I'm, you know, still fall into judgment as do we all, right? Um, and irritation, but I'm better equipped to kind of look at that and say, "Oh, 
that person's really hurting, or that person's scared, or that person's trying to connect with me in a way that's irritating to me, but they're actually trying to make a connection, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's been hugely helpful in that way. Um, So, yeah, I think it's fascinating and and just a wonderful tool for navigating this beautiful world. (laughs) Thanks so much for being our guest today. Glad to be here. Thank you all for having me. Thank you. In a deep and dark December I am alone So this has been a lot of fun, Elizabeth Chafin. And we hope that you who are listening uh, also kind of get the deeper purpose of this work and learning of the Enneagram and that you'll join us by either visiting our website or Instagram to form community in Austin that's doing the big work of transforming and supporting one another uh, and being our true selves, mm-hmm. right? Having this discussion every week, thinking about who am I, how am I utilizing this tool is transformative work, and I'm so grateful. And it's that the thought of people going to our website or going to the <laughs> pot, podcast or... Um, Checking out our Instagram makes me super uncomfortable and super nervous and excited because I want to do this work with other people. And we hope that folks listening to this podcast want to do the transformative work Mm -hmm. in community. Yes. And And that's super exciting. I would like to form an Austin community that that wants to show up for each other in that way and, and call each other to our better selves. I love it. Okay. I'm excited. Me too. So we are at Austin Enneagram. Uh, That's our website and our Instagram. Yeah. And if you want to contact us for workshops or questions. Mm -hmm. Or check out when we start doing number nights. Right. All of that will be through our Instagram, actually. We will announce our number nights through Instagram. Mm -hmm. And also you can DM us through Instagram. Right now, I think that's the easiest way to get us. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I am Feels no pain, and an island 